Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you're listening to Dylan B. Jones and Juno Dawson. And this week, for the first time in season six, we're joined by a very special guest. We're joined by podcaster and comedian, it's Rachel Krieger. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Hello. I am unbelievably excited about this. <laughs> You are right to be the, correct. The first, the first guest of the season. So we're very happy to have you. Um, this week we have been watching season six, episode three, "The Perfect Present." Yes. As ever, Dylan, do you have a potted synopsis for us before we get going? I do, but just quickly, we were just talking mm-hmm. about um, before we started recording that our recording interface looks like something out of a strange 90s or 80s movie like The Net with Sandra Bullock. Mine and Chris's <laughs> Wi-Fi is called The Net with Sandra Bullock. Um, Is it? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, potted, <laughs> potted synopsis. <laughs> um, I just had to get that backed out. The Perfect Present. So Carrie is uh, encounters Burger's sleep machine, sound machine, um, which mm-hmm. we'll get into. I, I was kind of bemused as to how sound machines work. Like, are the sounds like pre-recorded already? Do you put a CD in? But I don't know. We can just explore that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Samantha <laughs> um, m- makes a faux pas with Jerry um, after mm-hmm. they have sex at Jennifer Coolidge's house. <laughs> um, and, oh, we'll get to that. An incredibly memorable. I mean, as always, just Jennifer Coolidge, all she needs to do is be on screen, it seems. And it's mm-hmm. you're never going to forget it. Um, and every Amazing. line is quotable forever. Um, Miranda uh, is being nasty to Steve again to kind of cover up her. She's. We've spoken about this um, before, Rachel, how she recently has had a habit of kind of covering up her feelings for Steve by being a bit nasty to him. Yeah. Um, which she does very, which Miranda, Cynthia Nixon does very well. Um, and Charlotte is um, in, still in the process of slash completing um, converting to Judaism. Um, Indeed. And is sort of grappling with various things that that entails or that she sees, thinks that it entails. <laughs> So I'm super psyched about this aspect of yeah. it because I am 
an Orthodox Jew. Oh, and, uh, amazing! So, uh, the I mean, I don't, I can't speak for hashtag all Jews, <laughs> but um, uh, representation. I think, well, I think all of us can relate to the idea of how important any kind of representation is, yeah. and then when it's right, how amazing, how like phenomenal that feels if you see someone who reflects an element of who you are um, in a positive way, and when it's wrong. The um the level of cringe mm-hmm. in uh like really in Sex and the City when it comes to their Jewish storylines is like a roller coaster. It's a it's amazing and perfect and diabolical, and there's very little in between that's sort of normal. Interesting. Interesting. We will get to that because obviously representation in Sex and the City is a feature of this podcast. We've had we've had trans people on the podcast we've had bisexual people on the podcast we've had people of color on the podcast and it seems that sex in the city has many many times just got it wrong i don't don't think we can defend i don't think we can defend the representation uh, but we can certainly discuss it and also i was just going to say you speaking about representation rachel i have very rarely if ever apart from this storyline in Sex and the City, it's seen like representation of Orthodox Judaism. It's extremely rare. Well, it's interesting because it they sort of muddy the waters here right. between um, liberal, progressive Judaism, Orthodox Judaism and conservative Judaism. Conservative Judaism is a quite specifically American um, lifestyle. I don't know if that's the right way of saying way of practicing um, the religion. And... I find that a really fascinating thing from a technical point of view because the show is full of Jewish actors, Jewish writers, um, not just the characters, but in terms of the individuals involved in crafting it. So I just find it really fascinating that they've left it sort of quite murky um, and there's quite a lot of conflict uh, in terms of what develops between Charlotte and and Harry because it's unclear whose religious practice is what and how. Mm. We'll get onto that. Um, we'll come to Charlotte after the gap. But and Rachel, before we before we launch into Carrie and her sharper images sound machine, tell us a bit <laughs> about yourself and tell us about your own podcast. Oh well, uh, hello. I'm hello. Hi, um, I never know what to say when people say that. I feel like suddenly we've gone into some sort of corporate conference, and I've got to say three interesting things. One, two facts are true. Two, two, um, two truths and a lie, please. Yeah, thanks. Two truths and a lie. Um, Actually, when we when we do that, one of the things I say that's a truth that isn't that sounds like a lie is that I had my husband's gerbil's grandchildren. That which sounds so fake, doesn't it? But it's because we went to the same primary school. When his gerbils had babies, they went to my best friend, and then when her gerbils had babies, they came to me. That's a true, but weird <laughs> fact. But it makes um, it the way that you meant. I thought you meant briefly that you birthed yeah, the way them. In the way you said you, you had the gerbils, I was like, oh my. <gasps> it sounds amazing, doesn't yeah. it? It sounds very um, Daily Mail headline, <laughs> which is what I like about it. Maybe the star. Um, but yeah, I'm a stand-up comic. Um, I am a writer, and I have two podcasts that I co-host. One is called Jew Talking to Me, which I put, I have to say, I'm not good at accents, but imagine I said that in an amazing American accent and sounded like Robert De Niro. Um, mm-hmm. Jew Talking to Me, I co-host that with another comedian, Philip Simon, and we speak to people from across the arts, entertainment and media industries who have Jewish heritage about their Jewishness. But it's not an educational or religious thing. Like If anyone learns anything from it, we sort of haven't done our job. It is a <laughs> chat show um, about things like um, favourite foods and family feuds and like words that um trigger them about their jewishness and whatever so it's like a, it's a fun chatty show 
and um, also co-host Leaving Erinsborough, which is the Neighbours Rewatch Superfan podcast. Obsessed. That's with uh, writer Sarah Gibbs, and uh, we micro-analyse episodes of Neighbours in real time. So we've started from the beginning, um, rewatching from the start. We're still like in the 1985-1986 region. Uh, Kylie and Jason aren't in it yet. I think they're in it maybe next week or the week after. <gasps> um, and it's, I think we'll be about 90 by the time we get to modern day. And uh, We started it when they said they were closing down Neighbours like and it was ending and it seemed like a nice nostalgic thing. And now they're bringing it back, <laughs> which is really, I don't know, it's kind of made everything well join us with i'm just like that yeah. dylan and i thought we were safe as well dylan and i thought it was all in the past when they um now it's here. when they announced season two of i'm just like that juno and i were sort of like oh yay but also oh <laughs> <laughs> wow but what's interesting to me about that is that obviously in the they started filming it and then certain things about uh, the actor who plays Big came mm-hmm. out, which were very questionable. And in the interim, that's happened with Neighbours as well, with some of the characters, you know, found out certain things about their real-life shenanigans. There were a few people missing from what was meant to be the finale episode, the sort of dramatic finale, mm. and it turned out like, at least one of them was uh, police-related. When I start any project now with anybody, like I say to them, I just want to check, there's not going to be some, like, hideous scandal about you in two years' time, and I'll have to, like, disown you. Oh, Let's just, you know... Just get it out of the way. It's too much. And in comedy, it does happen quite a lot. At the moment, there's been a few recent situations along those lines. And yeah, it's a worry. I think all industries, obviously. But, if Andy uh, Warhol was still alive, he would say everyone is cancelled for 15 minutes. And I think that's <laughs> the world we live in now. Um, wow. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Um, and You're thank welcome. you for bringing your comedy expertise and podcasting expertise to So I Got to Thinking. Um, let's start, as we always do, with Caroline. <laughs> Um, and there's a lot. There's I feel lot like she's been really naughty because you've called her by her full name. Yeah. Well, we we only learned in and just like that 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 is her sort of government name. So we're still <laughs> we're still very excited about it. But um, Carrie, this week she asks a question that vaguely makes sense. So I mean, she asks, does it? Well, yeah. Go on. <laughs> I think again. Can you have a future if your past is present? I think that makes sense. It's better than some of them. So I think that is a question that we can strive to answer. I guess, can you move forward with the relationship if your previous relationships are casting a shadow? Or I guess your past trauma. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about romantic partners. I guess it's like if your past in general is hanging around you, can you truly move mm-hmm. on with like the things that you want to move on with? And like the theme of the... The theme of the episode, if there is one, is kind of like exes and their their pasts, I guess. And also like Charlotte is kind of moving past her, like past, quote unquote, past life um, and past religion. And then um, there's, yeah, there's Carrie with Big. Carrie phoning Big. Big and Berger and Lauren. I found, so... To put it into context in the episode, um, Carrie goes to see Berger's bachelor pad which is fairly representative I think of a Manhattan studio apartment his kitchen does appear to be in his bedroom but I think it's more truthful that a creative person would be living in a single studio than the the size previously in Sex and the City the flats have been well beyond their pay grade obviously Carrie's We've had lots of in-depth discussion about her rent-controlled apartment on the Upper East Side. Um, 
So burgers, flies, nice. I love the callback to the playing cards. Yeah. Well done. Well done, set designer who remembered. Yeah, last year he collects found playing cards. Um, also the exposed brick wall. I was like, okay, we're definitely in the noughties now. Like this is this is <laughs> I looking. Like, I like exposed brick. Oh yeah, so I don't. It's very comedy club. Yes, actually, mm. I bet. Yeah, um, yeah. New builds now. I've started putting in fake exposed brick walls, which yeah. I'm not a fan of. Yeah, that's not cute. Or if you moved into this house um, that got renovated by cowboy builders around landlords, sometimes you get them unexpectedly. <laughs> when the plaster falls off. <laughs> yeah, that did happen within three weeks. It's very exciting. I didn't feel like I was in a New York apartment, though. I did feel like I was just slowly being crushed by my own home. I was... Oh, that's not like a prodigy video. That's nice. Like <laughs> I used to um, I used to live in a squat in Camden when I first why am I not surprised? <laughs> I... Please, Dylan, start your squat story. <laughs> when I first moved to London and one of the other girls who lived there was on the toilet and we heard this crash and all like ran into the toilet to find that the toilet wall had just fallen off, had fallen away. And there was just like oh, wow. empty air there, like the outside was there. Um, yeah. And she was on the loo? Yeah. Was. Wow. <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was giving all sense under the bridge, is what I was getting. You know, where they're all they're all sat in the big hall. Um so, yeah. In Burger Sexy Flat, when Burger brings up Lauren, his ex-girlfriend, of course, in season five, he was still with Lauren. That's when we first met him. And um Carrie has this quite cringe moment where she refers to Lauren as the ex-decorator, which I'm like, grow up. But um, that's a theme. Um, Lauren has bought Burger a sound machine because he is a troubled sleeper. He favours sounds of the rainforest, um, frogs, monkeys, birds. Um, Carrie doesn't like it. But what she likes even less is Burger's fuck you, fuck you. And of course, Rachel mm-hmm. and Dylan can see exactly what I'm doing. And I'm sure <laughs> listeners can imagine the gesture I'm making. Um which to me is very red flaggy. I think from a modern perspective, you can tell a lot about a potential partner from the way they speak about their ex. Because to my mind, you're getting a flash forward to how they're going to describe you when your relationship (laughs) ends. Slightly glass half empty, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> when? Welcome, welcome to Juno Dawson. Hi. Um, when it ends. But now, so I think I just, I don't know what you think, but I think it's very red flaggy when people talk shit about their exes. I find that very red flaggy. Don't you? It might depend a bit on who the ex was. Like if the ex was genuinely the cause of all the trauma and despair or whether it might have been a contributing factor amongst other things um i don't know i i thought anyone who buys someone one of those machines that make fog sounds already is questionable in my mind i don't know the way dylan the way you mentioned it before i thought you thought maybe it was hooked up to the actual rainforest and that's what they that's i'm not i'm not a good sleeper but i think that would keep me awake all night i'd be worried about things crawling on me it sounds hideous um But yeah, I think if someone is horrible about other people, especially in the early days of really getting to know them, and it doesn't have to be because it's a romantic relationship, I just think if I meet someone and we hang out because um, in a social setting and they're really vile about another person, I always think, "Ah, so if I cross you, Mm. maybe accidentally, because that can happen, if I say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, 
I'm, you're going to say this uh, to someone else about me. Mm. Mm. I kind of saw it as Burger being like performative though, like sort of proving to Carrie like, oh, I hate her now, blah, 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 like whatever. I felt like he didn't actually her. feel that strongly. He was just being like, he just did it because Carrie was there. Um, mm. That's how I read it. I don't know. Actually, that's interesting because, yeah, actually having your ex-girlfriend pop out of an answering machine while your new girlfriend is sat there mm. is quite faux pas. And we've said we've actually, said this, so, yeah. we've said this okay. before, like answering machines must have been such a fucking minefield. Like it would be the equivalent of like all of our WhatsApp messages getting read out loud all the time to like the household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it must have been awful. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here, I think, quite a bit older than the two of you. <laughs> and I could tell you. Your guess is correct. <laughs> they can be really awful. And I do remember one, this is, it is very cringy, but I, when I was about, must have been about 17, um, a guy who I'd been friends with since I was really young, like family friends, close friends, um, he left a message on my home phone, like as in my family home phone, um, aunt's phone, asking me out. But because it was like really awkward because we've been friends for years and I have to say, I very much had him in the brother friend zone. Oh. Um, and I had no idea that anything was percolating <laughs> there. And um, I came home and sort of pressed play on the aunt's phone and um, yeah. That was an out loud message. I'm trying to remember who was present. I think at least one of my brothers and oh, no. my mum. Was... Awkward. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we've all, until this minute, not thought about it since uh, 1980, whatever it was. <laughs> but now I'm so happy that I've remembered it and now feel a bit sick. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and at the same time that Lauren makes a comeback, Mr. Big also makes a comeback for what Carrie calls accidental fun sex, which I did think mm -hmm. was really funny. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, <laughs> I find it quite hard when Chris knows pops up now, knowing what we know um, mm. and about his obvious subsequent kind of controversy, scandal, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Because even in, I think, two scenes with Sarah Jessica Parker, their chemistry is so good. They can even have chemistry when they're not even filming at the same time. I mean, that is quite a skill, given that obviously those conversations would have been filmed independently. Mm. So the fact that they can muster such sexual chemistry when they're not even in the same room. Because I find, like, with Burger, um, I sort of don't really buy that relationship um, at all. I, f I feel like he is a coiled spring of tension, even <laughs> when they're relaxed and being chatty. Um, and I don't know if that's like great acting or if that's just the personality of the actor. Um, but the chemistry of Carrie and Big is just immense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever you, you like them, you don't like the characters like there's um, especially, you know, his characters and there's a lot to not like. Um, mm. But the interactions between the two of them are, um, I feel I should do flames, flames, flames emojis now. Mm. Yeah, and I, well, I put in my notes, and it's similar to what you said, Juno, like, they even managed to make phone sex sexy, like, most of the time on TV. Oh, I used to love phone sex. <laughs> <laughs> speak, no, yeah. but I mean, like, IRL, like, IRL is, it's, it can be sexy, but most of the time on TV, it just comes across a bit, like, oh, a bit cringe. But they managed mm -hmm. to make it, like, convincingly sexy, and I was like, wow. And... Yeah, I also agree with you, Rachel. Like, I couldn't put my finger on it with Burger, but he's so, he is like a coiled spring. Like, it's quite anxiety inducing when him and Carrie are together. Yeah. Like, you always feel like one of them's just seconds away from snapping. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and he gave me, own, and obviously, I don't, he might be a lovely man <laughs> in real life, fictional and 
actor. Um, but I, I felt like there was a streak of violence in him. And it's funny because when he did the kind of fingers up at the phone, um, I I thought mm, that is the way he did it was so aggressive. So maybe it's performative. But I always felt like I wondered if um, the end of the relationship with Berger was going to involve a slap genuinely mm. and mm. um instead well it's a slap in the face isn't it because post it but um spoiler alert but i know you've already talked about it on the podcast yeah. but um yeah i did i felt like he he was certainly portrayed to me with a slight uh tinge of violence mm. in my opinion and i think they must have known so with my sort of limited tv exec experience by this point they knew that season six was going to be the last they knew going into this series that it was going to be the last mm. clearly Carrie was always going to end up with big so I guess what they had was 20 episodes I believe to, to convincingly get Carrie and big back together but also yeah. within series six Carrie embarks on two quite significant relationships with Berger and then later with Alexander Petrovsky mm-hmm. so There was a master plan, and I think in season six, they time the Mr. Big appearances really smartly. Obviously, we don't see him for the next few weeks, but then he's going to come back in a couple of weeks. And, you know, and well, I think so. I think Chris Noth appears, I think, maybe in six or seven episodes in series six. And that's even smarter, you know, to convincingly get them back together in just a handful of episodes is... TV gold. Yeah. Mm. Um, and to just have him like always there, like we know that he's always there as an option rather than them just being like, right, see you later. Mm. Which ties into Carrie's question, which is, you know, she doesn't convincingly answer it. I mean, she, after having a big and deep conversation with Berger about why he feels such animosity towards Lauren, and they kind of have that night. And I think in a lot of relationships, you have that night where your relationship kind of levels up. Yeah. I think sometimes that can be sexual. And so you think, right, okay, we've we've done it now. So it means, you know, we've moved on a bit. Or I think it can be that night where you just kind of, you make yourself a bit more emotionally vulnerable as Carrie and Berger do in this episode in the end. And Berger confesses that Lauren cheated on him. And that's why he is very cross because now she wants mm-hmm. to see him and he doesn't want to do that. Um, and so Carrie does take the bull by the horns and she tells Big about Berger and that she can't continue any sort of accidental fun sex with with Big because she she chooses Burger, which is nice in theory. And I think in theory, yes, that's the correct thing to do. But no, she can't move past Big, actually. And I think what Rachel just said is right in that he's there. Hmm. Even when he's not on screen, Big is there. And I think that's a real sign of, quality on both the writing and the acting that even it's when, very character... when harry met sally kind mm-hmm. of scenario like well we'll just be friends then but can you really be friends or does sex get in the way mm. yeah as big says ah friends in a line <laughs> which doesn't quite land but <laughs> also against that against that like jarringly unconvincing backdrop as well of like californian <laughs> sort of yeah. sunset i'm not sure he was in california you know <laughs> i think on a limb. it didn't even look like a, a screen it looked like a sort of painting like a not a not very good <laughs> painting either <laughs> yeah um, not not i mean points for trying yeah. <laughs> but the they spent a lot sky. of the budget on manolos yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's yes. what it was maybe they were so good on the phone because they were together maybe Carrie's the set for Carrie's bedroom was like right next to the set of his hot tub 
Oh, so they could like, genuinely hear each other and stuff. Maybe. I mean, that would be really genius in terms of like Meisner real acting. Mm. Mm. I will do some I will do some deep diving and see if I can find I will go to my big pink Bible, the Sex and the City book, and see if I can get any tea on on that. Oh, by the way, is it called the Sex and the City book? That's what it's called. It's called Kiss and Tell. Kiss and Tell, because we always get I always get messages from listeners being like, what is the book that Juno's talking about in the <laughs> Well <laughs> Because it's my Bible, so it's it's unique, you can't take it away from me. No, it's called Sex and the City, Kiss and Tell. It is a gorgeous hardback it's in bright pink mock crocodile <laughs> nice. my dog shaking um it's it's yeah sex and city kiss and tell and i'm sure you can buy it on a secondhand book reselling site nice. um before we go to break i need to do a confession Ooh. i too am a troubled sleeper mm. and i too like to listen to noises can you guess what noises i like to listen to as i go to sleep and inflict upon my poor husband um i'll guess yours and you can guess mine okay go on um are you like um i can't remember i've got dyslexia so i never remember um acronyms things but is it the thing where people do like popping um what oh no it? no it's ASMR. ASMR. No, that really freaks me out. Absolutely, that that would not teeth send brushing me. and crunching um, <laughs> paper. It's, so no, you're like, I do some noise. ASMR. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I haven't got anything that does it. I've got. Can you hear that? Oh. <laughs> no. Um, um I'm gonna um, guess. Uh, maybe like burger at the end. Maybe like ocean. Yes, well done. Ten points to Dylan. We have soothing ocean mm. sounds. I was going to say rain. Mm. So that's my backup. Amazing. So that's when that. I get sick of listening to the ocean, I listen to rain. Amazing. Okay. There we go. Go on. I must be psychic. Okay. Now I'm going to guess Rachel's. It's. It, I'll give you a clue because I think it would be very difficult otherwise. It's a TV show, um, oh. and I just have it on like almost like it's the radio. Is it Neighbours? It isn't because that's too exciting. <laughs> Is it, um, I, I often watch Frasier to fall asleep. Is it Frasier? No, I love Frasier. It's great, isn't it? That's a, that's a good <laughs> guess because it's amazing. Frasier and Seinfeld are both amazing. Is it Friends? I stick on Friends if I can't get no, to sleep. No, but that can send me to sleep now just mm. because from overexposure. Yeah. Many times, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what it is. The Repair Shop. Oh. The Repair Shop oh. is a lovely, gentle oh. program that I'm very mildly interested in. So if I hear them mention something, I think, I'd like to see how that turns out. I'll watch that bit. Just and if not, I just let their soothing voices and the gentle music and the fact that everyone's happy. Like, there's never going to be anything dramatic. It's not going to be sudden, like, trauma music or, <laughs> you know, crushing drums or whatever, because it's all lovely. <laughs> Um, the mo the, like the most you'll hear is the teddy bear ladies laughing or something. Um, it's very relaxing to snooze Ooh, off to. Might, um... And the day I feel I've got super old is when I purposefully stay awake. That's when we know I've transitioned <laughs> from being a very young grandmother to being an old lady. I might check that out because yeah, I'm I'm like you guys as well. I need something to to fall asleep to. Um, what do you, what do you presently have at the moment? At the moment, I'm listening to the audiobook of Michelle Obama's autobiography, read by Michelle Obama. She's got an amazing oh, wow. voice to fall asleep to. I can see that. Um, yeah, and she just talks <laughs> about 
like it's just a very sort of mostly quite unchallenging but she talks about things like how lovely it is to be able to make her own toast now now that she's no longer first lady <laughs> it's like it's just oh, apparently prince harry says the same thing oh, does he? um <laughs> No, oh, right. <laughs> no, he's like, why don't people bring me toast anymore? Um, but I don't know about your partners, but my husband is one of those people who, when he wants to go to sleep, just can lie down, close his eyes and be asleep. Yeah, same. Which, in my whole life, I've never been that person. So I do need the extra. I get irrationally something. annoyed at him as well. I'm like, how can you? Me too. How do you do that? <laughs> there is not a jury in the land that convicts somebody for killing someone who can go to sleep before them. I accuse Max of stealing my sleep and I genuinely meant it. I, I have accused so him funny. of somehow psychically taking sleep from me. Yeah. Um, but because I'm very tired, so of course I say shit like that. Um, I wonder <laughs> if for every troubled sleeper, there is a very heavy sleeping partner and if the heavy sleeping partner it's in fact stealing the sleep of their partner. I think so. This is and my. Maybe I've stumbled upon the truth. This wow, is my new so. favorite conspiracy theory. Sleep stealers, <laughs> a new podcast from Acast. <laughs> if you believe your partner is stealing your sleepful hours, please get in touch. <sighs> please don't. Um, <laughs> let's take a little break, and when we get back, we are going to deep dive on Charlotte's conversion to Judaism. Poor Jerry Jared being treated as an unwilling sex worker and Miranda just being awful at Steve. We'll be back in a minute, don't go anywhere. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. Um, we are in the middle of discussing season six, episode three, The Perfect Present. Um, Carrie is fine. She's listening to the sounds of the sea. So while she kips, let's talk about Charlotte and the minch who stole Christmas. So <laughs> that line. For context, oh, um, for context, if you have not been watching, if you've not been listening, um, Charlotte has decided to convert to Judaism so that she can hopefully marry Harry Goldenblatt, although this is about to come to a head next week. Um, back in the day, 
I remember this storyline going on for a lot longer than it actually has. A mere three weeks later, and Charlotte has, it's about to complete her ritual conversion. Um, last week, Dylan and I said that we were so underqualified to um, evaluate how representative Charlotte's conversion to Judaism is. And we're still interested, and particularly if you are a person who converted to Judaism in adulthood, we would be really, really keen to hear from you because we guess that you would be best placed to address Charlotte's conversion and how realistic and how accelerated it is as well. I mean, she does say she's taken accelerated classes, but it's 75. 75 in the space of a week. Because oh, last no. week, she knocked on the door of the synagogue three times and they wouldn't even answer. Um, so in the space of seven days, Charlotte has um, somehow converted to Judaism. Because we don't know how much time has elapsed in Sex and the City world. Um, <laughs> so Rachel, over to you. Now, we've said in the past, like I said, the trans representation was horrific. The bi representation was horrific. Poor Adina from the restaurant got the angry black woman treatment. It was horrific. Was Sex and the City any better when it came to the representation of Jewish people as a minority? Now, obviously, Rachel cannot speak on behalf of the Jewish faith. But Amazing from a... how many times people do expect me to, especially on Twitter. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Could, could, you, could you speak for Everyone. thousands and thousands <laughs> of years of people? I mean, if you could, that would be handy. No. But from a personal perspective, did, did this episode fuck you off, basically? Um, it gave me really mixed feelings because... Um, I mean, if you take, I mean, the worst thing for me was decided to call him Rabbi Minch, definitely for the Grinch rhyme, like because his name has not been mentioned mm. to my recollection ever before. And I think somebody that felt to me like something at the end of a very long day in the writers' room. Someone came up with the line. They um, kind of retroactively put his name in, and yeah. it wasn't worth it. That that was not a worthwhile punchline. It was just irritating, and also because he hasn't stolen Christmas from her. She's made an adult decision to make this kind of huge sea change to her life um, with her eyes open for a purpose. And so I felt like that's kind of dismissive. But this episode, like I said, was it's like a roller coaster for me because on the one hand, there's kind of some lovely Jewish moments. Even in the week before, actually, um, I think um, Charlotte... Well, let me let me say something about the week before because you mm. mentioned it just now, Gina, about her being turned away three times. So that is uh, in Orthodox Jewish conversion. That's a normal thing to happen. Um, that we turn we turn people away three times, um, so that they are making a conscious choice that they want to join. That there's not any kind of pressure. We're not a conversion seeking faith. In fact, in fact, the opposite. Um, I mean, why anyone would want to be Jewish if you didn't have to be, I find it quite astonishing. For love is a nice reason, but um, there's a lot of fasting and a lot of guilt and a lot of trauma and, and racism. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting choice. Um, it's, but a choice. Have, well, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a joint. Yeah. And I have I have close friends who've converted and I've, I've heard them talk a lot about their experience. So, uh, yeah, the, the being turned away three times, it's um, in relation to the biblical story of Ruth and her decision to join Jewish faith, where she sort of made three statements about it. 
and um, that way that you feel that the person is actively choosing. And actually, if you are converted as a baby into Orthodox Judaism, then in later life, as you get to kind of life stages, let's say your bar mitzvah when you're 12 or 13, or majority of the country you live in, so let's say 18 here, and then before you get married, in theory, your rabbi is supposed to check with you each time you want to remain Jewish because you didn't have a choice if you were a baby and you got converted. So you get your three times later in life. Um, but um, there's sort of some things that are really questionable for me. So, for example, in terms of, um, let, well, let's say Harry is a character yeah. that he's a lovely, lovely human, mm -hmm. I think, as a character on this compared to a lot of the other characters. He's predominantly a mensch. He's a good guy. He means well. He's kind. He's thoughtful. He gets stuff wrong. He's a person. But he, he tries to put things right and he's got morals and beliefs. I think he's quite a well-rounded character compared to a lot of other um, non, the four main characters, you know, supporting cast. Sure, yeah. um, but at the same time, they've sort of jewed him up to such an immense degree that can be a bit uncomfortable to watch. So he's like um, Jew um, 2.0 or whatever. I'm not good <laughs> with computers. Whatever, you know, that he's... Um, he's loving, kind and wonderful, all these things, but he's also rich, um, which is a, a stereotype. He's also bald but hairy, another stereotype, um, and sweats all the time because of those things, which is a particularly American sort of that character person. Um, he's sort of coded as unattractive when he isn't really unattractive Not at all. all. Um, yeah, just like this kind of rich, bald lawyer Jew. So mm. I think it's a... So he's someone who sort of pulls me in two different directions because I think as a person, I, I know people like him and I'm not just talking about um, Howie Mandel and David Draymond, who are his absolute doppelgangers. You never see the three of them together. Um, but I think that he's, he's sort of an interesting representation that doesn't have to be. And part of that for me, in terms of decisions by the creators is because uh, most Jews just look like everybody else. So unless they're Hasidic, um, like uh, Charlotte's, um, series crush, one yeah. previous crush um, you know you can't always tell like people looking at me definitely wouldn't guess if I didn't tell them and if they saw me in the headscarf they think I was just a bit artsy which is also true <laughs> um, so that they wouldn't necessarily associate the fact I've covered my hair with um, a faith because people aren't so aware of it mm. um, I think in the wider world um, so you know that and then also this just the context of the title is amazing for me when you're thinking about someone's conversion to judaism because we um our whole culture is designed around not letting go of the past i mean that that's the whole thing if i was going to stand on one leg and summarize what it is to be jewish um it's that the past is sitting on your shoulders 24 hours a day whatever that past might be and i'm talking the whole of biblical history in the torah um and your family's past and if you're an eastern european uh, jewish heritage like myself then the holocaust i've mentioned it i'm allowed it's my thing um it's but it's part of my family's story so there's um when people talk about catholic guilt catholic guilt was born out of jewish guilt and there's a lot of you have to do the right thing and you have to preserve the faith and whatever so this idea of harry only being able to marry within the faith that's not a weird thing regardless of religious practice a lot of people feel quite strongly about that that's quite ingrained 
Um, but I feel that there's an element for me of Charlotte converting and doing this lovely stuff for Harry as we're mitigating her other shallowness and cattiness that mm -hmm. may have popped up in the past. So it's sort of like her redemption story is to find God. And so, again, like, sort of, I feel, am I going too detailed for you here? No, I no, told you I was this, this is the whole, this is the point of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think, so I think... There's no such thing as too as too much of a deep dive into sex in the you city. Can't. So, and, so you're right. So this is so everything about Harry is through the prism of Charlotte, and I think that's that was a decision about the men in the world of Sex in the City, and we've we've touched on this before, which is the men only exist through the eyes of the women. Hmm. We don't really have scenes with just the men. I don't think. I don't think possibly. Please correct me, but I don't really recall a scene where we just saw Aiden and Steve conversing on their exes you know it's there is only a man in the shot if they are with one of those four women and I it's think like the opposite of the Bechdel test isn't it really this yeah <laughs> it's, it's like like I, in fact yeah if, if there was a male Bechdel test I think Sex and the City would fail it but that's fine <laughs> because every other show is the literal opposite unless they're doing fine unless you count Big being in the shot but he was on the by himself he was on the phone to Carrie so like yeah yeah, yeah. the so, context is the yeah. same so but I there's, I mean, there's Jewish moments on and off all the way through. And there is an argument, like if you read around it, because I'm a person who has, um, there is an argument that in the same way as uh, Friends, as, as a kind of great comparison, mm. that they are Jewish shows. They have side characters are Jewish or there's Jewish elements to some of the characters. They don't spend every week celebrating the Sabbath. They don't spend every week, you know, there's one, the, there's the holiday armadillo is the one that everyone remembers because mm. that's the only one where Judaism is kind of front and centre for maybe a minute and a half of the episodes. They light a, a menorah for Hanukkah at the end. Um, but... Um, it has a vibe and that's also to do with in America who writes these shows they're all they're written by Jewish writers there's a, a flavor to their writing I know when I started in stand-up I didn't really do Jewish material at all because I thought who's interested in this it's probably very unrelatable I did mainly stuff about bees like the stripy insects um, and then people kept saying to me why aren't you using like your USP like th that's ridiculous and um and I, I realised that it doesn't matter if I'm talking about bees. The way I talk, the way I move, the way I gesture uh, and everything is so Jewish. And it's a flavour of storytelling. And I think both Sex and the City and Friends kind of have that in their flavour. Um, and even Seinfeld, because Seinfeld mm. doesn't bang on about the Jewishness of the main characters. But there, there's a couple of Jews in there. Um, with Sex and the City, they have Jewish things, Jewish ideas and Jewish people popping up like all the way through. And and sometimes it's really jarring and sometimes it's sort of kind of nice. Like um, there's a earlier episodes where um, I don't remember which one, but I, I was reading about it the other day um, and, I, and then I kind of watched it and it was um, Miranda shouting up the stairs to Carrie while she was depressed about a breakup. Get your coat on, Anne Frank, we're going out. Uh, which is uh, quite a line. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> and um, I remember thinking, because I'm, you know, as I say, the Holocaust is part of my family story and I do comedy about it, not all the time, but um, where it's relevant and careful. And I did think that was a really funny line. And then I thought, would I be happy with everyone else laughing at it? So... Mm. That was a I wonder who brought it. it. Must have been a Jewish writer. I mean, we could we could find that out really easily. But you yeah. you like to think 
a non-Jewish person this, um, wouldn't have made that joke. This episode was written by Jenny Bix <laughs> and directed by David Frankel, who did Sex in the City, who directed uh, The Double Wears Prada. Um, right. Um, well, Frankel being one of our names. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure it was a Jewish writer. And I think inherently it's it's just an offbeat joke. Like, yeah. I don't think... Um, I, I wouldn't have come away from that writing harsh letters about anti-Semitism to anybody. Um, but I thought it was quite interesting because that was... Um, I went to see Hal Cruttenden's uh, show. He's a brilliant comedian. I went to see his show a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I went to see my friends. I didn't know if it had Jewish content or not Jewish content. It was because he's funny. And... He has a joke in it that relates to Anne Frank's diary, and he's not Jewish at all. And it was clever and funny and interesting, you know, and all the things that make it an acceptable joke, if you see what I mean. Because every subject is okay. It's the handling of the subject that's the issue. And so, for example, I think Charlotte and the and the rabbi mm-hmm. is a kind of not a very believable storyline in lots of ways. And you sort of question why that why it had to be it had to be because they wanted her to have a connection to Judaism I think um but the likelihood of her just meeting this artist Hasidic artist and them immediately falling into bed together um, it's it's very weird it's sort of jarring watching it as someone who's moved across all those worlds the arts world um and orthodoxy but also because they um the expression they use about him is that she's drawn to his talent, his strangeness, <laughs> and um, the smell of his wool, mm. um, mm-hmm. meaning um, his religious garment that sits it, which is the one which got the strings hanging off the bottom. And to me, that was so othering. So yes. where kind of her her meeting this guy and falling for him because he's an artist and amazing, you could say that's um, bringing people together immediately saying that she's drawn to him because of his weirdness um, and the fact he's not like everyone else uh, that um, it sort of it brings you in it pushes you away and Other, othering is the word that I have uh, felt through Charlotte's storyline which is whether it's good representation or not it feels a bit exotified yeah, you know, fe- fetishized. Some people yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the music. I mean, Juno, you read my mind. I remember in that scene when she went to meet him. There was this like mystical, like <laughs> mystical yeah, music. Yeah, boy music. Yes. We call it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, we. I think we when we touched on this storyline last week, Juno, we were saying like a lot of TV shows, particularly of this time period, were guilty of doing that. Um, with Islam mm-hmm. as well, like in Homeland, whenever Claire Danes goes into a mosque, oh, it's like yeah. the hundred the, percent the, the quote unquote Muslim music when she goes into the mosque. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when she mentions that, oh, that was my first oi. That was one of my cringiest moments because. First of all, Americans say oi a lot because it's in the culture. It's like they say chutzpah. They say all these other words that um, in, aren't so common here in the UK. Um, but it, it just is unnecessary. It just felt to me like unnecessary. If I'd been editing it, I'd have red penned through that bit. It doesn't move the story forward because she could have had her first something, anything. It didn't have to be an oi. It could be a, a salt beef sandwich. That would have been delicious. But um, I think the the Shabbat dinner story is interesting to me because um, her journey into Judaism, her personal journey, begins with crashing, gate crashing the rabbi's Shabbat dinner. And I'm sure for her that becomes like the aspirational meal of having. And I'm someone who does that every week. That's my normal um, is to have proper Friday night dinner, candles and whatever. But when she does it herself... Um, she does things kind of not quite in the right order. And I think, again, that's partly, maybe it's a weakness in the writing, maybe it's a weakness in the relationship, I don't know. But I think that's 
that that's where it's all my roller coaster again because normally you do candles then you do um blessing on wine uh, and i think that's a wine is a great sex in the city constant so that's a moment missed maybe um and then there's a hand washing ritual and then you eat special beautiful plated challah breads which is i guess a bit like a brioche um and uh, i'm not sure why it was necessary to not include that to go straight they had all that stuff on the table but she went straight from candles to food and i just think um it's a interesting question why these jewish writers and producers and performers kind of by what they picked and chose and what they bypassed yeah in the context of this one episode the obviously the charlotte storyline comes to a head with the christmas tree now obviously we yeah. we know in we've mentioned friends monica and ross geller both have a christmas tree yeah do we like that Charlotte commits to it 100% that she has, she, as Carrie says about you, you know, in order to become a Jew, Charlotte has to let go of her Christian past. And Harry does offer her a way out. He does say, if you want a tree, you can have a tree. But Charlotte is nothing if not committed. So to me, that scene and also the scene which um, it isn't in this episode, but where she makes him Shabbos dinner, Friday mm -hmm. night dinner, um, they're, they're the same. They're like two people who have never had a conversation about Judaism. That's what I find really bizarre because Harry is um, a secular, nominative, conservative American Jew. So that means he belongs to a temple, which is what they call synagogue there. Um, he probably goes for the high holy days. Um, he's not very engaged. He eats bacon. He's not Sabbath observant. Um, you know, and I'm not judging that. Mm. Everyone should live their own authentic life. That's lovely. Um, but it's like she hasn't thought, she's thought about converting, but she's never said to him, what kind of Jewish home will we build together? What kind of Jewish wife and lifestyle might you be looking for? Because there's a million different flavours of being Jewish. Um, and there are plenty of Jewish people who feel like Christmas trees are like completely secular they're not christian as such which which is true mm. they're not christian there are people who have what they like to describe as hanukkah bushes so for hanukkah they get a tree and they only put like little uh, stars of david's and whatever all over them and and they do their own thing um so i feel like um that is a kind of weird thing i think it's lovely that she goes into it 100 percent. and actually of the couples who i know where there's been a conversion and actually in orthodoxy it's not encouraged to convert for love it's uh, because it's such a lot to take on. You should do it for yourself. Mm. And they encourage people to separate and not be together um, in the interim till the conversion's over and then make a decision. Virtually always, particularly if it's the woman who converts, she ends up more religious and more committed and connected than um, the husband who was so insistent she had to be Jewish in the first place. And quite a lot of people do split up because the, the, um, the woman will say, um, and obviously we, this is a very heteronormative scenario, um, but the woman will say, you know, I want to be Sabbath observant to an extent. I want my children brought up with this, whatever. And the husband's like, I was quite happy to marry someone who wasn't Jewish. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't suddenly want to out. have, uh, you know, my Friday nights. Well, as happens here, I don't want to give up the Mets or whatever it might be on a Friday night. I want to just still. But they do find a compromise. And I think the, the redeeming feature of this whole relationship is that it's so rooted in love and compromise yeah. that you kind of forgive all the elements that aren't accurate. Yeah. Before we go, we must discuss Miranda and Samantha. Yeah. Um, neither have an awful lot to do this week, but of course we haven't mentioned perhaps the most important thing about this episode, 
Jennifer Coolidge is in this episode. <laughs> She's so wonderful. I mean, who in gives everything. two shits about Samantha and Miranda? Jennifer Coolidge <laughs> plays Victoria in in four whole scenes. Um, oh, I I love her so much, and it's mad to think that it was another twenty years yeah. after this that she finally kind of got her flowers in Hollywood. This is, finally, this is one of those, for the White Lotus. This is one of those scenes that, like, me and my friends quote constantly, like, I cut up my bedspread for this. <laughs> yeah. Little you can take shoes. it to dinner. Little shoes. <laughs> Little shoes. All of them. And they're so terrible, the bags. <laughs> but she commits to whatever her character is, she commits it so far. And her comedy acting is just, I mean, chef's kiss beautiful. Yeah. And I love my for some reason the bit sucker left me and now I'm fending. <laughs> the, yeah. the bit that I laughed at the most this time round for some reason was when she just holds up that like the really hideous one that's got like little pumpkins hanging off it or like yeah something. you can take it to and, yeah and she's like you can take it to lunch you can take it to and it's like what? <laughs> um, oh so yeah love her. so she gets she gets upset doesn't she when Samantha and Smith no not mm. Smith. Not Smith yet. Samantha he's and not Jerry. Smith yet. He's Jer- Jerry Jared. Samantha and Jerry. We don't know he's going to be Smith and call. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, Samantha should not have tried to give Jerry $300. You can't pay people for sex I don't know. unless they've asked for that. Also, the hygiene of that party shenanigans <laughs> was questionable over all the crockery. Also, yeah, and mm, not for the me. fact that they just kept going when she like when they when she caught them, it was just so like, <laughs> okay, so you're really just gonna commit, <laughs> you're really just gonna do that like with your chest. Um, and also, well, she was she was maybe close. What's well, the point? They're not gonna get caught more than once, yeah. are they? You might as well keep going. Um, I thought I don't know. I sort of loved Victoria a lot more once she was um like back in her honest self, not in her, um, you know, once she was annoyed and allowed that to shine, yeah. I thought that was beautiful. It's, it's it's the knocking over the rail. Get the fuck out of my house, Get out, you <laughs> bitches. <laughs> yeah. Wow, amazing. Um, she never comes back, which is a shame because I would have had Victoria back again, but, but alas, it wasn't to be. Um, she does pop up on Friends, doesn't she? She does. Um, yes. The so, fake British The fake friend. British friends. Smell my um, neck. <laughs> that's me. I don't exercise at all. <laughs> my yeah. natural sense. My mobile. Um, I thought Samantha was, I don't know, like Samantha, because she didn't just give him the $300. She did say like, oh, I looked up what the going rate is for caterers. And here's 300, mm-hmm. like, for your time, I know you got fired. I don't know. I thought she explained it all right. I thought he kicked off a bit, to be honest. Controversial. Interesting. Opinion, maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, he came back. Yeah. He came back for a whipped cream session. So he can't have been too offended. Also, she said that yeah. she, she still didn't know his name. And I was like, how did you, like, call him? Because presumably she called him that last time to come over. It's probably all done by text. Yeah, maybe. And like, you've never put someone in your phone as Waiter. Man from Grinder <laughs> or something. Man from Jennifer. <laughs> I mean, Clinton. her phone must be a complex situation. Yeah. But I was like, did, did people have... Were we still... Were we on cell phones by now? Yeah, 2003. Yeah. 2004, yeah. They have lovely little clamshells in uh, this. Yeah. I didn't have that. I had like a brick Nokia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a Motorola Razor. That was my first phone. I thought I was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yes, look. Um, Miranda... Now, this is a little a little fact yet. The scene with the condoms was very yes. controversial at the time. Oh. They almost had to cut it. Um, the Did idea they? of him putting condoms in his mouth was very, very controversial, um, which is why I think it's so fleeting and nobody really says anything about it. 
Um, no, certainly nobody says the baby put a condom in his mouth. I think Samantha not... says something. She says yeah. something like, I've had loads of those in my yeah. mouth. It's fine, don't worry. <laughs> Which, Which I thought true. was very reassuring as, as a, you yeah. know, as speaking as a mother. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever known somebody to give oral sex to someone wearing a condom, although it is a safe sex. Yeah. Thing. Maybe we should all be doing that. Yeah. Um, but yes, they are manufactured to be perfectly safe for oral use. <laughs> but then it's what fine. do we... I, it's fine, Brady. It was just a strange... Yeah. Like, what What do we glean from that? Oh, because then Miranda kicks off at Steve. She uses it as a reason. because yes. She was like, do you really yeah. need the... And yeah, she's being very unreasonable in that scene. I think I sort of loved that scene because it was funny yeah, it was. at the beginning <laughs> when she says I've, I've just packed all the things a baby needs for the day you know like, I'm not happy our baby's having sex I am glad he's safe and <laughs> I thought that I thought that was nice comedy writing I mean mm. it is a look I mean it's a beautifully written show in general yeah. and I thought that was a really nicely written little yeah. scene but I think the sort of um there's um, a lot of similarity between Miranda and Samantha in terms of their defensive as their default setting. And uh, whereas like Carrie and Charlotte are more open to people and empathic, you know, Samantha's whole, everything about her and all her relationships are pushing people away. Um, and, you know, until Jerry slash Smith eventually gets sort of under, under the bonnet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of get Miranda and Steve and her her having to pick on him rather than face up to the enormity because you know when you, when your friends become the people you fall in love with that's terrifying. You're right, and it's much it's much easier to pick a fight with someone than it 100%. is to admit you're in love with them. And on that note, I love you, Mark. If you're listening, <laughs> I should say at this juncture. And of course, the Steve and Miranda storyline. There's plenty of mileage left in it this series, and then. She'll leave him for Chady out. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So it, it, was, it's a, it was a decision. <laughs> it was, again, a choice. Rachel, thank you very, very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And sharing your expertise around Judaism and Charlotte with us. Um, where can people find you on the internet, please? Uh, they can find me on my website, which is rachelkrieger.com or at rachelkrieger on social media. Yay! Thank um, you for having me. I what, it. Remind us of the name of your neighbours podcast, please, because I suspect there will be some people who want to listen to this. <laughs> uh, the neighbours one is called Leaving Erinsborough because that's what we thought we were all doing. And uh, my other podcast is Jew Talking to Me. Thank awesome. you so much. You've been such a fab guest. Thank you. Um, I'm not me. sure we have answered the question. Can you have <sighs> a future if your past is present? present? I mean, that's my everyday life. <laughs> I love that. We, we have an answer. Yeah. Welcome to Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe as long as the two live harmoniously together then in your head, then then you can. Maybe that's an answer. Yeah, it's about how you, how you reconcile and how you interact with your own past. You can't pretend your past hasn't happened. And in my mind, it feels very immature of Carrie to think she would get a total fresh start in her late 30s. Like, did she maybe all her questions are like a hypothesis Mm. rather than a conclusion? Yes, I think it was naive of Carrie to think. I think by the time you hit your 30s, everybody has so much baggage, you would be very, very naive to think that you could start a relationship without having to delve into the X Files. Um, (laughs) as we have done many times on this podcast. Um, again, Rachel, thank you very, very much for coming on. 
um, next okay. week, Charlotte's going to make her first Shabbat dinner and scream one of my all-time favourite Sex and the City lines. Set the day! Set the day! <laughs> um, so the, star, the story continues next week. Um, until then, stay safe, and we will see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.